Hey Driven Mofos, if you ever wanna have the video version of this podcast, which usually has more effects, visuals, graphs, and helps you to retain more of the information that I share, then check out my YouTube channel. I also share bonus in-depth training behind the scenes from some of our live events, plus interviews from some of the country's most successful people. So if you haven't already subscribed to my YouTube channel, then check it out via the link in the description of the podcast. Remember to subscribe to get the latest stuff. So these are some of the key factors if you want to build a team that is really aligned with your business, your goals, and you want to attract A-grade talent. This podcast, The Underestimated Entrepreneur, is for the driven mofos out there who are driven to achieve more in life and business. After studying 1,457 of the world's most successful people in different fields and spending over $1 million on coaches, consultants, and seminars, I want to share with you the key learnings, lessons, tips, tools, and strategies that have not only made them super successful, but have also allowed me to go from the kid who was put into special classes, getting kicked out of school and wanting to end my life, to becoming the mental performance coach to some of the country's most successful people and helping me to grow multiple businesses. I want to help all of those out there who have been underestimated to prove their doubt is wrong and to help them to achieve more than they could possibly imagine. I hope you enjoy. In this episode, I'm gonna talk about five key steps that are really, really important and essentially they are essential if you want to grow a great team that are going to build your business for you. Driven mofos, welcome back to another episode of The Underestimated Entrepreneur. All right, let's get into it. We're gonna talk about team alignment and how to build an effective team that essentially will grow your business with or without you. Now, these are some of the things that most business owners struggle with. In fact, I have been building this in our own business, but also as well, I'm sharing all the templates for this in our upcoming Business Growth Odyssey Mastermind. Um, So normally what happens is we check in every 90 days. So every 90 days, People fly from all around the country who are business owners and we get together for three days. I bring in other speakers and so on. Now in the upcoming Business Growth Odyssey, I'm actually building out um, the business model with the owners and so that they attract A-grade talent and A-grade staff. And these are some of the key things that we'll be talking about and what we'll be helping them build out over the three days during the Odyssey program. I thought I would share and give you a bit of an insight as to what we go over, but also you can take these and you can use them in your own business to build out an effective onboarding strategy, an effective recruitment strategy. But these are only five of a whole bunch of different variables that you need to work on in order to make sure you're attracting A-grade staff. Now, I think these are probably five of the most important, but there are also some other ones as well. So some of the things that I haven't mentioned in here is that first of all, when you're recruiting a new staff member, you need to know the job roles and what specifically you need them to do. So you'll hear me talk about this either on the podcast or you hear me talk about this if you're part of Business Growth Odyssey or when I get interviewed and stuff like that. And what I'll say is that you should hire the work, not the role. And what I mean by that is that if I need someone who is a manager and I need them to go make coffee, let's say a customer comes into the office, This is in our business, by the way. This is just an example. I would expect that they're a good communicator and I would expect that they would make that person a coffee or at least ask them for a coffee and water. So in the hiring process, we need to make it really, really clear that if we're just hiring a manager, we're not just hiring a basic manager and then going, you're gonna be responsible for administrative roles. You're going to be responsible for managing staff and blah, blah, blah. Because that's boring. Everyone says that. 
what you want to do is you really want to clarify a few key things. And I haven't gone over how to create a job role, but you know, we've learned this the hard way because I've fucked this up so much in the past where when we've gone out there, I've essentially said, I need a marketing manager. Here's what a marketing manager is responsible for. Well, they're responsible for reporting. They're responsible for creative online. They're responsible for reviewing data and so on. And so it's just a basic boring job role. That's not really what we want. What I want is I want someone who is enthusiastic. I want someone who is energetic. I want somebody who loves marketing and eats, sleeps and breathes marketing. I want someone who is going to transform our marketing from being average to being extraordinary. I want someone who can build a team of other A-grade players and help them to perform at their peak. So they're going to have to be great communicators. They are going to be part of an organization that is helping people perform better, that is building a global empire. So I want to make that very, very clear in the job role or in what we're building. Because when you look at most job roles, they're just boring and they look the same as everybody else's. I don't want somebody that's the same as everybody else. I don't want a marketing person who comes into our organization and just does their job. I don't want that person. That is not what I want. What I want is someone who comes in and blows up the fucking marketing and you know expands it to a level where every day I walk into the business and I'm just like, whoa, this is wild. I want to be enthused in our company because they're so enthusiastic about what they're doing in, in the organization. So in order to do that, we have to make it clear around what we expect. We also have to make it clear around who our organization is and we want to attract the right person. So the the job ad or the job role that you're putting out is super important. Now, there are other things that help that as well. So I talk to businesses all the time that suck in their marketing. Now, you are not going to attract A-grade players that fit into your organization, your culture, if your marketing sucks. So if I was looking for a job, I would go straight to their Facebook page and their website. If their website's fucking boring and their social media is dog shit, then what am I going to get from it? If I go to five other competitors, they're probably all going to look the same. And I know I give shit to trade-based businesses because most of them really suck at marketing and branding, which is why if I was a trade-based business, first of all, I would come along to our business growth odyssey so you learn all this stuff. But second of all, I would just crush the competition and dominate them through good and effective marketing because most of the industry of trade-based businesses suck at their marketing. And they really, really, really suck at it because they're more worried about showing off how skilled they are to other professionals in their field than they are talking to the customer. And I've gone through this on other episodes before, so you can go back and have a listen to this stuff. But if you're wanting to attract the right staff members and recruit the right people, you wanna make sure that your brand, your culture, everything is online. Who am I working for? They're gonna go and check you out. In this day and age, more than ever, not only are you trying to recruit, but people are trying to recruit your business also because they wanna know who they're working for. Now, if your business looks like shit online, it's boring and it's dull, and it looks the same as every one of your competitors, then they're gonna go price shopping. But if your business looks so much different than everyone else in your industry, and I can hop online and see this enthusiasm, I can see this energy, I can see that it's gonna be a great place to work. I have to decide, do I just want the pay or do I want to work for a business that's doing something important? Do I wanna be part of something? Now, people will take a pay cut for that because pay, I think, on the scale of the reasons why people work is about fifth. So there are four other key things in front of that, that is important to them. One of them is lifestyle balance. Now, lifestyle balance is unique to the individual. For me, lifestyle balance is working a lot. For some people out there, their lifestyle balance means that they are driven to work a lot. So that doesn't mean that they, they're going to want to take a whole heap of time off and travel around the world at your expense. It just means that lifestyle balance for them 
may be working a lot. So, but lifestyle balance is important. Then there are uh, other key things like the culture of the organization is in the top four over money. So if the culture sucks, then money's gonna be the only thing that they work for. If the culture's good, then they're gonna probably work for less and take, not a pay cut, but they're gonna probably work for less and take the culture because they're getting the value from the culture. They're not just getting the value from the money and the paycheck. So anyway, these are other things and other factors that help with building your team. Now I've left these out, but these are also important as well. That's why your business, if, if you're a business owner and you're listening to this, your business is a whole bunch of integrated parts and those parts consistently need to be improved and worked upon if you want to build a great business. You know, you can't hire the right people or it's hard to, it is extremely hard to hire the right people if you've got a shitty culture. Now, if you're not working on the culture, then you're not going to hire the right staff. Now, if you hire the right staff and you've got the right culture, but you've got shitty marketing, it's going to be 10 times harder to attract other A-grade players because your marketing is dog shit. Then also, if you've got good marketing and it's good marketing for staff, but it's not good marketing for customers, then you're going to have financial struggles. And then if you don't have the right sales process, the sales process is going to impede cash flow, which means you're not going to be able to grow the organization and hire A-grade talent because you're not going to be able to pay them well. So all these parts fit into each other. And it's a consistent jigsaw puzzle that you're working on to improve. And that's why business is a consistent and never-ending improvement, uh, or it needs to be, it needs to have consistent never-ending improvement. It doesn't just stop or it doesn't just get to the perfect place. There is this consistent growing that happens and this improvement that's happening the whole time that the business is, is there. And again, this is why I built Business Growth Odyssey because I found that so many business owners are normally good at one or two key things in their organization. The rest of it they suck at. And then that stools the growth of the business. And it's not saying there's anything wrong with the owners. It's just that they, they only know what they know. And unless you're going to be someone who consistently improves upon multiple areas of your business and you know how to delegate, hire the right people, bring the right people, in, make sure you bring the right vendors in, then it is extremely challenging to grow that business and it will bottleneck. It will hit a glass ceiling. All the pressure will be on the owner. The stress will be on the, the owner's shoulders. They will burn out. They will go around in circles as to whether they want a business or don't want a business. They'll start to resent staff. They'll start to resent the business. They'll start to resent family. And you'll see this stuff happen. It happens in, in a lot of business owners out there just because they don't know any better. Anyway, let's get into these five key things. So the first thing is that if you want to build a great team and have the team aligned, number one is you've got to have a proper onboarding process. So let's say you attract the right talent. You get a whole bunch of people. You go through the filtration mechanism. Of, of hiring somebody. Now there's a whole bunch of different sequences that you probably want to be doing if you're hiring someone. So for instance, if you're going through a, a bunch of job applications and you're interviewing people and they don't know the values of the company and they don't know the mission of the company, either you're not making it clear that that is important as part of the hiring process or they don't give a shit. So as part of the job description, you want to say before anyone is bought in for an interview, you will need to go and understand the values of the company and the mission of the company. And you ask that in the interview process. What are our top values? What is our mission? And if they can't repeat that back to you, then fuck them off. They're not, they're not worth it because if they can't do a little bit of work to figure that out based on the job ad, which says you need to know this stuff and they rock up and they're unprepared, see you later because they're not gonna be prepared when they're doing the job. So you put that in the job ad you also, once you look at their resume and everything like that, and you set up an interview, you say, as part of the interview, we go through these things here. Please go and check this out. Some people just deselect themselves because they go, oh, fuck that. I'm not even going to worry about reading that. It's not worth it. They're the people you don't want anyway. Perfect. You've just saved some time because you don't have to interview these knuckleheads that don't want to put in the work. So you want to make sure that they really understand who your business is before you get to having that interview with them. So anyway, once you've hired this person, the first thing you want to do is you want to have a proper onboarding process. And throughout the proper 
onboarding process, there are a few key things that need to happen. So first of all, they need to understand the culture of the business. Now this normally has to happen through the owner, especially when the organization is small, or it has to happen uh, someone who is in an upper level management role, who is enthusiastic, energetic, loves the business, loves the culture, they're gonna have to be the one that onboards that person with the culture. And they'll have to explain what that culture looks like. So here are our expectations, here are our values, here's the mission, here's what the mission looks like, and then here's how your job role aligns with the mission and the values of the organization. So that they are really, really clear on what you expect from them and how they fit into that culture. If not, you'll have a cultural misalignment. Like let's say you've got a whole team full of enthusiastic people and you hire again some knucklehead that doesn't give a shit and they're just there doing their job clock goes off at five o'clock and they leave and everyone else is still working. After a while, they're gonna to start to resent that staff member. That resentment within the organization is gonna make people question whether they wanna be there as well because if that's acceptable, why are they putting in all this work if they can just go home at five o'clock just like this person because this person doesn't give a shit. Now, we had that in our organization where we actually had a an effective staff member. They, they were effective at their job role, but essentially they just worked from nine to five and they didn't give a shit what the workload was. They didn't care how much anyone else was, was working. They would just come into work. They they would do their job and they would just leave. Now that's fine, I, I understand that. But our organization is that when stuff needs to be done and and things need to be delivered, that's the expectation of the business. We are growing and we wanna help people perform better. This person here will just rock up They'd rock up two minutes before work started and about 10 minutes before the end of the day at about 10 to five, they would start packing up their desk. They would you know, start closing up their laptop and everything like that. And then all of a sudden, five o'clock on the dot, like almost the, the moment the second hand hit the uh, 12 on the, on the clock in the second hand, bang, he was out the door on the exact second that it turned 5 p.m. And to get him to try to work back one second or even 10 seconds after 5 p.m. was almost impossible. You could see it was just like, I don't wanna be here, this is bullshit, I've done my job, I'm out of here. Now, I don't like that because for multiple different reasons. Number one, no one gets paid for the time that they work. They get paid to deliver an outcome. Now, if you don't know the outcome, that's more for you as an employee and it's more for you as the business owner for allowing that to happen. And it was more for me because I didn't go through these onboarding processes with this individual. That's why I've learned this stuff because I didn't take them through the onboarding process. I didn't create an expectation around what our business looks like, why we do what we do. I was unclear on this stuff. I didn't know any better. And so I would get frustrated because I'm working until 10 o'clock at night. You know, Jess and I would get up at six o'clock in the morning and we would be on the laptop and working and all that sort of stuff. And you know, yeah, I go out for coffees during the day and have meetings and so on, but I normally make money during those meetings. Yeah, I go on and do personal training sessions or whatever throughout the day, but I'll work until 10 o'clock at night. The majority of the team were focused on delivering outcomes. So I didn't care whether they worked until five o'clock at night, but they just had to deliver outcomes. But I consistently saw it that this person hadn't delivered certain outcomes by certain timeframes, but would still go home at five o'clock. And what it would do was it would backlog work and our goals would blow out because this person didn't want to lift their own weight. Eventually I would put pressure on them and they, they resigned, but it taught me a very, very valuable lesson that the onboarding process is super important around what's important within the culture. So as part of the onboarding process, they need to know what the job role is. So they need to know not only the job role, but they need to know the expectations of that role. Now, I would say that when you set expectations for a role, they need to know deliverables. So what do you expect? And also, what is their scope of work? The scope could be very general and it could be a lot more generalized as far as the role goes, but they need to know exactly what they are trying to achieve, what the certain outcome looks like, 
and whether they're doing a good job or not. So they need to know the job role and they need to know what the expectations are and they know, need to know what a good job looks like. They also need to know what company progression looks like. So if someone comes on board and let's say they're a social media manager, could they become the marketing strategist eventually? Like if, if you do a really good job in social media marketing, does the next step become marketing strategist? And then after that, does it become leading a team? Depending on how effective they are in multiple different areas depends on how they how they grow. But if this person knows that, first of all, they're a social media marketing person that just posts stuff on social media and, and so on, does a little bit of copy, then eventually, if they work on that skill and they become very good at it, then from there, they can become the marketing strategist where they can start to create a game plan. They can create a game plan for the marketing. They can start to put together the strategy they can overview the whole marketing where they can then start to run email campaigns. They can start to do Facebook strategy. They can start to do other strategies as well, which then combine into a whole marketing strategy. And then eventually they may become the whole marketing manager for the whole organization, or they might become like, let's say a, a VP of marketing as the business or organization grows, which is a vice president of marketing or the, the president of marketing, depending on how big the organization grows. But from there, you can then start to create clarity on how they need to grow within that role. So for instance, if you're going from a social media marketing person to a marketing manager, then you may have to learn other skills. Like you may have to learn strategy. You may have to learn how to communicate more effectively because now you're communicating with a team member or other team members. So as part of your progression, you then wanna start reading and learning and growing in the area of communication and in some other areas as well that are important for the progression of your career. Something that I read only recently, which I really like, they said staff are, are essentially moving in two directions. They either move up or they move out. So as the organization grows, they're gonna move up in the organization or they're gonna move out of the organization. And I thought that's a really good way of understanding it because our job as business owners is to help people either move up or move out of the organization as the business grows and expands. And so how you do that is you need to know what the company progression looks like for that individual and then help them to achieve that progression. And we'll get into that in a minute. Quickly, if you're a business owner in Australia that makes over 300K per year and you're wanting to grow to $10 million or you're frustrated that your business still heavily relies upon you to get stuff done effectively and efficiently, then message me or my team on social media to find out more about my 12-month business implementation and growth mastermind called Business Growth Odyssey. We currently only intake 10 business owners each month into the program, and there are still some places open for this month's intake. Our goal is to help you to create more operational freedom in your business so that the business doesn't rely on you as the owner. We help you to implement processes, systems, management, hiring, and all the other things like sales, marketing, and so on to help you to scale your business without the usual levels of extreme anxiety, stress, pressure, overwhelm, etc., that most business owners face when they scale their business between 300K and $10 million. Plus, the best thing is you attend live business growth events each quarter, have weekly accountabilities, and join an amazing network of driven business owners who do not accept mediocrity in life or business. So message me or reach out to my team to find out more and set up a call. You need to know what resources are needed to make the team member effective. So you can't just onboard someone and go, here's a bunch of stuff that you need, figure it out yourself. You need to sit there with them and help them on board. Now, it might take anywhere between 30 to 60 days to completely understand everything that's going on within their job role. And normally full onboarding takes about 90 days. So 90 days, at 90 day or around the 90 day mark, they should be up to full speed and really pushing for growth because they will understand the culture, they will understand their place in the culture, they will understand how to communicate with other staff members, they will understand other staff members' personalities, they will understand the customer. And so that is effective onboarding. So so you need to know what resources the team member needs to make them effective. When they, on day one, 
Do they essentially get access to everything that they need within the organization? Do they get the training that they need? What does that training look like? How does it happen? How often do they have meetings with management or leaders or whoever the person is who is their superior? You need to know all that stuff when you're onboarding people. It takes a little bit of time to build out. It's not that hard. It, it might, I mean, in our business growth odyssey, you know, it can take three days to build this whole system out. Now, there's obviously going to be other bits and pieces that need to plug into it, but essentially if you've got the templates, you can build it pretty quickly. Okay, so number two is you need to hire for two reasons. There is only two reasons why you would hire a staff member and they have to hit both of those two things. If not, you will set yourself up for failure, especially if you want to build a great team with great alignment. The first one is obviously competence. Can they do the job? So when most people hire people, they're hiring normally on competence. Sometimes they don't, but that's just crazy. So either can they do the job or not do the job? What I found is one of the best things to do with somebody is to give them the task that they are going to be responsible for as part of the hiring process. So for instance, if you're hiring a graphic designer and you need Facebook little graphic cards created, they give them the graphic card to create and say, look, you've got two hours to create that. Put them under pressure and get them to do it. Now, if they don't know enough about the culture or whatever, make sure that they rock up knowing about the culture and say, I'm going to give you this task. This is what I need to do. And then bang, get them to do it within two hours and they send it back. If it's one minute late, they don't get the job when we have hired our video editors before. I know that they need to produce a large amount of work in a short time frame. And so what I will do is I will run through quickly what they need to do. I will give them the templates and everything like that. Then I will say, right, here's the raw footage. I need that piece together and I give them the time frame. So let's say three hours. I'll say I need this done in three hours, knowing that it'll probably take them maybe an hour and a half to do that job when they're fully onboarded, but they've got three hours to do it. Because if they want to take a week to do a 30 second video, they will never be able to work here. And I fucked that up in the past because I've had video editors that have worked for us that after a whole week, I'm going, where the fuck is my video content? Then they're going, oh, well, I've just had to do this. And when I look at it, they're trying to do like full on Hollywood style productions for a video that's 30 seconds that's gonna go up on social media that probably only maybe a thousand people 1500 people are going to view and no one gives a shit about how well it is cut and chopped and, and edited essentially at that level. No one really, really cares unless they're in the movie industry. But for them, that's what was important to them. That's not what's important to me. What's important to me is getting the content out there so that our community can watch it. I want it to be world-class and I want it to be great, but the greatness will come more in the content than how amazing the cut is and that it's perfectly aligned with the, like, the microsecond. To me, none of that shit makes a difference. And I couldn't really tell the difference, but they could. Um, and it would just waste so much time. So we essentially give them the role to do as part of the recruitment process so I can see and test them whether they can work within the confines of our values and then also within following the instructions that I've given them and can they get the job done at speed. So the first one is competence. The second one is are they culture fit? Now, if they don't fit the culture like they've got a poor attitude, then get rid of them straight away because once you take that toxic person and you put them into a decent culture, they will just destroy the culture. So you need to hire for two main reasons, competence and culture fit. And these are the reasons why I would fire someone or I guess you could call it deselect if you want to say it a nicer way. If someone is incompetent, then they don't deserve the role, okay? If I go to McDonald's and I say, look, I want a burger and I wait for half an hour in the car park and I'm waiting for my fucking burger and then half an hour later, someone comes out with a roast chicken and goes, look, we don't have a burger, but I can give you a roast chicken. That's just all we've got. I would say, go fuck yourself, give my money back. The problem with most business owners is that they allow that shit to happen every day when they say, I need this job done at this effectiveness. So I want this job done. I want it to be done correctly. I want it to be done well and I need it done in this time frame. And then all of a sudden, staff members 
come back, they do a poor job, they don't really give a shit, they do dumb shit in the business all the time, they're a poor culture fit, they've got a bad attitude, and business owners keep paying for it. To me, that's like going and paying for a TV and getting a bag of lollies. Like, why would I pay for a TV and get a bag of lollies? Like, that's not acceptable. I would never walk into somebody else's business and want to buy a television and leave with a bag of lollies, even though I've paid 700 bucks for the television. That would not be acceptable. But business owners do this shit all the time, where they essentially have a staff member that is non-performing, that is a poor culture fit, yet every week they reward them with a paycheck. And to me, that is exactly the same as walking into JB Hi-Fi or one of the, the large businesses if you're over overseas, going and buying a television and walking out with a bag of lollies and saying, well, I paid $700 for a bag of lollies. That's bullshit. You would flip the fuck out. You'd smash up the store. Yet business owners do this all the time and they think that that's completely acceptable by having a staff member that performs that way. And that's probably due to the onboarding process and the hiring process as well and the culture of the whole organization. You've probably heard me talk about this before that a business is essentially a bunch of different jigsaw pieces of a jigsaw puzzle. If those pieces aren't fit together well and they're not consistently being improved and worked upon, then the business will stall, things will, you'll hit glass ceilings, the business owner will burn out, they'll be stressed out, they'll be frustrated. These are key signs that there are parts of the business that aren't working effectively. If you wanna grow a business and you wanna grow it well, you need to learn a lot and you need to learn a lot really, really quickly, especially if you're under $10 million. Because first of all, you've got to go through startup. Startup is product to market fit. Then you start onboarding staff. They'll cause a whole bunch of problems because you're unaware of what you need to do with them. And then eventually you'll start to figure it all out. And then as you start to scale, you onboard more people, more people, more chaos, more customers are coming in. And so things break a lot quicker. There's also a lot more money that you can destroy really, really quickly as well if you're unaware of what you're doing. So these are the things that you really need to be aware of as you grow your organization. So two things we hire for, competence, and then the second one is culture fit. If you're not clear on your values within the organization, then you won't be able to reprimand staff. So one of our values within our organization is communication. Now, if a staff member is a shitty communicator, then I will pull them up on that and say either two things, you have to go, or you need to improve your communication skills. How are we gonna do this? And I will work with them on helping them improve their communication skills, but they're gonna to have to do it outside of working hours. It's not my job to pay them to come to work in order to do something that is part of our culture. They need to learn how to do that within their own time outside of work where they're putting in the effort and energy to become a better communicator so that they can fit into this organization. So that's number two. Number three is you need to find out what their individual goals are. So no one comes to your business to help your business grow. They don't give a shit about your business, really. I mean, they do. They probably want to be part of the mission and, and so on if they're a culture fit. But they have their own goals and they have their financial goals, they have their lifestyle goals, and they have their career goals. If you can find out what their financial goals are, their lifestyle goals, and their career goals, you can help align the business's goals with their goals and they will be in alignment and they will want to work hard. What I found is that if you have someone who has low financial goals in life, they're not going to push hard to create financial goals in the business. So if you've got someone who's just cruising and doesn't give a shit... And and, and they don't care about money, then they're not gonna care about money within your organization. But if you've got someone, like a great example is a salesperson. If you onboard a salesperson who wants to make a million dollars a year and you show them the pathway of what a million dollars per year looks like. So for instance, if you do $10 million in sales, I will pay you a million dollars in commissions. Then they go, ah, let's break that down. So I need to do a million dollars a month, essentially for 10 months. Now there's two months that are down months. Let's say December and January are poor months for the, for an organization. But I want to create a million dollars a year. So if I do a million dollars a month and I start working on that goal, I will be able to earn a million dollars per year. So now the staff member has great clarity around their deliverables and what they need. Also, they are going to help to develop some of the 
key structures within the business that helps them to do better. So they the marketing material that they have might be shit. So now they're going, well, hang on, this is impacting my ability to earn my million dollars per year because I've got to hit a million dollars per month in order to get that, a million dollars in sales per month. So they'll go to the marketing team and say, hey, I need this updated. Or they'll go to the management team and say, hey, I need better flyers. I need better information. I need to generate more leads. The lead quality is poor. How do we work on this stuff? Because they're incentivized now based on their own personal goals to help the business to grow. Um, if they've got lifestyle goals, like like let's say they go, well, you know what? I want four weeks off per year and I want to be able to travel overseas and I want a whole month off. Like I don't want four weeks split up in you know one week every quarter or something like that. I want four weeks off. Well, you might say to them, well, okay, well, look, what month do you want off? Well, in order for you to have a whole month off, we need to hit these key targets within the organization. You need to have an effective team because I can't have you leaving in a massive gap within the organization. So you will need to train the team. You'll need to develop the team. You'll need to make sure there's effective reporting because we can't have a drop in the organization while you're away for four weeks. But we can definitely give you four weeks off in a block per year, but these things have to happen first. Now they have a reason to want to drive to be more effective with their communication to build a team, all of those things. So they are gonna help the organization grow because it's important to them and their lifestyle. And then finally, you've got career progression. So let's say someone wants to go from a the, the social media person, but now they wanna to go to a marketing strategist. What, what do you need to learn? They need to learn strategy. They need to learn other areas of marketing like copywriting. They need to learn how the systems work. Then they might need to learn a bit of coding. And so now you've given them a pathway where they can progress their career, where they can potentially earn more, but also where they get a better title, they're more responsible, within the organization and so on. So if you find out their personal goals, and I would recommend that during the onboarding process, about 30 to 60 days in, probably 60 days is the sweet spot because they're sort of learning everything that, that they can about the organization for the first 60 days. But at 60 days, you sit down with them and you go, right, you essentially give them a template. You say, I would love you to fill out this. I wanna know more about you as an individual. I wanna know what your goals are and how we can help you. Then they come to, to a one hour meeting with you and they sit down, and they go, right, here's my financial goals. Here's my lifestyle. Here's my career goals. And you talk about them and you say, well, what does that look like? Then what you do is you book them in, depending on if they're your direct report, about every fortnight, you want to check in with them and you want to have an hour with them. How are you going with your financial goals? How are you going with your lifestyle goals? How are you going with your career goals? How, how is the business impacting these things? What can we do to improve that? And so you're consistently helping them to better themselves so that they can better their own lives, but also so they're helping the business. And you're going to do this with fortnightly meetings with them if they're your direct report. Or if you go and read Jocko Willick's book, it might be The Dichotomy of Leadership or it may be his other book. He talks about how you really shouldn't have more than five people who report to you. And he said about this in the military where you've got a large group of people who will be reporting to one higher authority, but it's too hard to manage. So he said, you've got to develop different levels. So you might have a person who is more responsible, who looks after a group of five people, and you may have three of those people. So they might be a scene, they may be in a senior role. So you might just call them a senior marketing strategist instead of the vice president of marketing. And so then you will have the newer staff members reporting to more senior staff members and those senior staff members then reporting up. So you really only have five direct reports at any point in time. If not, it becomes too overwhelming. But you're going to sit down with them every fortnight and go over these goals. Are they progressing? Are they not progressing? And in general conversation, you're going to find out about these goals. So if you're managing these people, you're going to find out whether they're on track, off track, and whether you're helping them to achieve their lifestyle goals. So that's number three. Number four is that you align their goals with the company goals, which is what I just spoke about. So if they know that if I do all of these things, I win in life. So if I'm in the business and I 
I make the business more profitable, I win because I get a financial reward for that. Now that could be any area of the business. Like let's say you've got a customer service person. Well, if the customer service person brings you more leads, give them a commission. So instead of just saying, well, you know, if you've been here for two years, you get a pay increase. That should never happen in an organization. Pay should be directly proportional to the value that a person adds to the organization and they need to know what that value looks like. So if a customer service person goes, hang on, if I'm talking to people and I bring highly qualified leads and they convert, I get an extra commission. Well, now that helps me to hit my financial goals and it's aligned with my financial goals and now the business grows. So you're aligning people's goals with their lifestyle goals with the business goals so that now both parties win. And then number five is that you have an effective meeting structure to reinforce these alignments. So I would recommend having a morning huddle every morning with your team, every morning. And you want to go over individual wins and then talk about the company mission. So you might start off straight away with this is why we're here, the company mission. Then you go straight into, right, tell us your wins from yesterday. And it's just one to three quick wins. I did this, I did this, I did this, and this is, you know, what worked. Next person, next person, next person, next person, next person. You can do this very, very effectively with normally up to about 30 to 60 people. You just go through it really, really quickly. And it shouldn't take any more than 10 to 15 seconds per person, maybe 45 seconds if someone has had a heap of wins. And you celebrate those wins. You clap and and like congratulate those people. And then from there, you might go into client wins. If there were any, any big client wins yesterday, you go over those. What this will do is it will reinforce that your work matters, that you're consistently winning as a team and you're on track with the mission. This creates a good energetic culture for people to start the day every day. So that's the morning huddle. Then you do 30, 60 and 90 day onboarding check-ins. So at the first 30 days, you sit down with a person, you have a one hour meeting and you see what's working, what's not working, what are you enjoying? Where are their gaps? How can we help? Then you do it in 60 days and 90 days because within the first three months, you wanna figure out whether this person is the right culture fit and whether they can do the job effectively. If not, you just get rid of them or you deselect them and help move them out. So we wanna have onboarding check-ins and they wanna be booked in 30, 60 and 90 days. The goal is remember that at 90 days, they need to be up to full speed where they are just someone in the organization that is kicking big goals and that they are responsible. They know exactly what they need to do and they just get shit done. And they're also a culture fit that they seem to just fit in well. Then we do fortnightly accountabilities. This is what I just spoke about where you're going to have your direct reports. You're gonna book them in for one hour and you're gonna see how they're tracking with their personal goals. And if those personal goals are aligning with the business goals, and then you can help them out. Like they might say, look, I'm just stuck at the moment because I still don't know how to generate leads in my area. And and I wanna make sure I'm hitting my financial goals. So then it's the manager's job to help them to understand how they can do that. Now, if the manager doesn't know, then they've got a little bit of work to do to go and figure that out. As someone who is a leader in the business or in a management role, or if you've got a team of people who report to you, you need to know the solutions to their problems. If you don't know the solution to their problems, then you're not a real manager and you're not a real leader. You're essentially just someone who is there to tick boxes. I I personally would hate to have that person working in my organization. So if our staff member comes to me and says, and I have this happen almost daily, where someone comes to me and they go, look, this thing is broken here. I'm not sure what to do. I'll say, okay, leave it with me. I'll get back to you. So then what I'll do is I'll go and read a book. I'll go and study something. I'll call somebody. I will try to figure out what's going on so that I can help that person. I think that that is good leadership and good management. Now, sometimes I'll say to them, I know the answer. And I'll say, look, the answer's in this book or in this here. If you go and watch that, there's your solution. And I'll help them to go and do research and find things out for themselves. So you can do that also, but you need to make sure that they can keep moving forward and keep winning. So these are the fortnightly accountabilities. And you ask them how your personal and professional goals going and you check in with them and you 
you start that meeting, it needs to be a softer meeting. It needs to be a more people orientated me meeting. It's not just a quick like, okay, how's everything going? Yep, we've ticked the boxes, you're out of here. It's like, I wanna find out about you. How's life going? How's everything treating you? Okay, how are you enjoying your role at the moment? All right, cool, are you on track with your personal goals? Like, are you hitting your financial targets? Do you perceive that you're still on track with them? If not, how do we get you back on? Are your lifestyle goals, you're looking after yourself. What are your career goals? How are they progressing as well? Do you need reading material? Do you, what like what do you need for us to be able to help? The more your leaders do that within the organization, the better the culture is going to be and the better the organization is going to run. So they're your fortnightly accountabilities as a leadership team. Then you've got quarterly performance reviews. You book them in for a quarterly performance review. You let someone know whether they're on track, off track, what they could be doing better, and you give them direct feedback in regards to their role and help them to keep stepping up to the level of growth that they want. Now remember, people are either stepping up or they're stepping out. So they're either growing with the organization or they're getting ready to exit and move on. And either way is fine because the business will keep growing no matter what, if that is your philosophy. So we wanna have quarterly performance reviews to give people direct performance review, how they can improve and so on, and then how that you can keep helping them to progress and what they need to do to consistently progress. They're the five key things to building great team alignment. So number one is have a proper onboarding process. Number two is hire for competence and culture. Number three is find out their personal goals. Number four is make sure that you're aligning their workload with their goals or that they understand how the alignment is there between the company's mission, the company's goals, and also their own personal goals. And then number five is have an effective meeting structure to reinforce alignment. Now, if you're not talking about the company's mission in almost every fucking time you talk to somebody or, or the values of the organization, then you're gonna have problems. So for instance, if I have a problem in the business, I'm not gonna talk about the problem itself. I'm gonna talk about how the problem is in conflict with the values of the organization. So one of our values is get shit done or speed of implementation. So if someone's dragging their feet and they're taking forever, I will then be able to reprimand that staff member based on their conflict of that value. So I'll pull someone aside and say, hey, look, why is this taking so long? And they might say, oh, and I go, you know that speed of implementation is important to this organization. How can we pick it up and speed everything up? Because speed of implementation is who we are, it's what we do, and this is our culture. Now, what I'm doing is I'm creating a realignment with that individual. What normally happens is that business owners get pissed off and frustrated. And they just go, you're not doing your job. You're not being effective. You're doing this, you're doing that. And the staff members sitting there going, well, fuck, I thought I'm doing okay and I'm stuck and blah, blah. Whereas this isn't personal. This is just a culture thing. The culture is speed of implementation. In this organization, the speed at which you operate at is important. If you're slow, you will not last here. We will boot you out. You need to step up or you need to step out. Now, I won't have that harsh conversation with them, but what I'll do is I'll just go to them a bit softer and just go, hey, look, things are taking a bit too long. Like, how can I help? Is there something going on? We know that speed of implementation is important within this organization. How can we help you to become more effective, more efficient and get shit done faster? And because of that conversation, now they're either going to step up or they're just not going to be able to do it. So they're not a culture fit and they're out. So that's why values are so important. And I would say that probably 99.999% of businesses either don't have values, full stop, they just don't have values. Or number two, they have values, but the values are bullshit and it's not really what the organization is about. And you'll see this in corporate businesses where you go in there and they say things like, honesty, well, fuck, why are you hiring people that aren't honest? Like that should just be obvious. How does being honest help their performance? How does being honest help the, the organization to grow and expand towards their mission? Like that should just be a given. That's human decency is that you're fucking honest. But what does that mean? And what does that look like? And how does it help the growth of the organization? So your true values are essentially the culture that allows the business to hit 
its primary objectives or its mission. If they are set ineffectively, you can't reprimand on those things. Another good example of this is like kindness. If you've got kindness as a value, do you know how shit that is as a value within an organization? Because here's the thing, I go to reprimand a staff member, a staff member isn't doing the thing that they're supposed to be doing. And I say, look, you know, you're not doing your job effectively, you're not producing well, you're not getting the job done. And then they they say, well, you know what? I don't wanna work for this organization because you aren't living up to your values. You're not being kind to people. Well, they're correct. Because I have kindness on the wall that's an important value. They're pulling me up on that and saying, well, hang on, you're saying I'm not doing my job, but I'm saying that you're not a culture fit because you're not being kind to me. This is where values conflict within an organization because kindness should have never been a value within an organization. Unless you're the, the Nazi party or something like that, you don't really need to remind people to just be kind. Your values help the culture to drive forward to the mission. And so the way you hire, the way you fire, the way you reprimand stuff and the way you reward stuff are all based on the values. So therefore the values need to be things that drive people to want to do shit. So another one of our values personally is being accountable. So it says we are accountable for our words, our actions, our goals, and our commitments. We are walking examples of a driven mofo. So if you can't be accountable, like if you say I'm going to get something done by this time frame and, and you don't get it done, then you're not being accountable. So that is part of our value structure is that if you say you're going to do something, we expect that it gets done. That's being accountable. Another one of ours is being purposeful. So understand why you're doing things. Don't just do shit because you do stuff. Be purposeful. And so it says be purposeful with your actions, your thoughts, your communications, your your OKRs, which are essentially your goals, and your planning. If you're someone in our organization that just says, well, I don't know, I just I just did it because I thought that's what I was supposed to do. You're on a fast track to exiting the organization because you should know why you're doing something and you should know how it's helping the organization to grow and you should also be thinking about how it's helping you as an individual. So they are some of the key things within our values. Now we've got uh, eight key values, which we've been trying to shrink them, but uh, we've got eight core key values that we communicate every week in our weekly meetings. We communicate these consistently with staff. We will reprimand staff. So a staff member does a shitty job. Like let's say they do something that's stupid and that they haven't thought through. I can then sit them down and go, hey, look what happened. They tell me the story. And I say, look, you know that being purposeful is really important in this organization. And you know the key thing there is asking why. Like why did you do it? Why are you doing that thing? Now, if you're not asking that question, that's gonna cause a lot of issues. Do you understand how important it is within this organization to be purposeful? And then they normally say, well, yeah, yeah, okay, I'll let that slip. But what I've done is I've reminded them, ask the question, why am I doing this? And think through shit before you do it. So that then drives the actions and the behaviors within the organization that helps us to achieve our mission. If they're just fluffy words like kindness and honor and respect and integrity, all of that sort of shit, how does that help you to achieve your mission? Like I'm, in, I'm in an integral person. Well, you're fucking hired then, aren't you? Because that's exactly the person that we're looking for. I mean, that should be given that they have honesty and that they have integrity because if not, who are you hiring? So yeah, you've got to get the values clear. They take a bit of time, but should you do it effectively, I guarantee your culture will change and the performance of the team will change. Anyway, Driven Mofos, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Remember, sharing's caring. Please share this with friends, family, and people around you as well, especially other business owners. And I hope you enjoyed this episode. Keep kicking ass and take care. Have a great day. Bye.